Welcome back to the Bob McGinn Football Podcast on BobMcGinnFootball.com. It is Thursday, November 16th. The Packers are flying high. They're coming off a big win in Chicago, and uh, we're taking on the Ravens this week. Dad, welcome back. Thank you, Charles. We had That was quite the song. I got to be honest, I, I don't know what type of accolades that song has, but I'm not impressed. That was the Intruders. Cowboys to Girls, I believe a 1960s single. Is that right? April of 68, Charles. Uh, the Philadelphia Sound, The Intruders. Um, who else was part of that? The Delphonics. The great Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes came out of Philly. Um, the Intruders were fixtures on Soul Train with it's, Don Cornelius. Did you ever see that show, Charlie? I haven't seen that show. It's a little, it's a little slow before a podcast i think i think we gotta amp it up a little bit next week but hey maybe that's maybe that's what the people pay for i don't know (laughs) other good ones in that era peaches and herb uh the dells friends of distinction check them out charlie they're all good stuff man i feel like i feel like you've been on a uh, quite a roll with songs but (laughs) i might chalk this one up in the loss i guess we'll we'll see what people think (laughs) okay so, like I said, the, the Packers are coming off uh, a big win last week, but that wasn't the only thing going on last weekend. You made a, a trip up to the UP for some high school football. Is that right? I did. It was a great day. Um, uh, I cajoled Pat, my wife, to, um, to make a trip up to Iron River, Stambo, Michigan. So we had a Michigan MHSAA Division Eight Level 3 game between the West Iron County Wycons, I think they had two losses, against Frankfurt from downstate, lower Michigan, Frankfurt. Used to be a ferry that ran across Lake Michigan to Frankfurt. I bet Pat couldn't wait for this endeavor. <laughs> so she she finally agreed to go if she didn't have to go to the game. And I went along with that, and so she had lunch and whatever. So the game was at 1230. Love those afternoon games, Charlie. A lot of snow up there overnight. So we had some problems driving up through Crivets and Iron Mountain. Um, I would say there was four inches of fresh snow on that field at Nelson Field. Probably back goes back to the 20s or 30s. Uh, it was about 26 degrees, so there was no melting. So I think one of the hardware stores in town um, gave the school system some of these uh, gas-powered battery pack uh, leaf blowers, and there was about six of them. So some citizens took these leaf blowers and blew off each five-yard line and the sidelines and the end line, and that was it. So you could see every five-yard strips of green and then pure white. Now, it didn't snow during the game. That had ended in the morning. <laughs> I thought maybe they were going to try to blow the field off or something, but they didn't have equipment like that. So this game was played in the snow. I've never, I mean, I've never seen a high school game played in that much snow. And it changed everything. Frankfurt had a, had a really good running back who was by far the best player on the field. Uh, reckless, fast, determined. 
and he had three touchdowns and like 125 yards, but he might have had 250 on a you know a normal track. So the Wycons won this game 35 to 20. There was about I don't know 800,000 people there. It was a wonderful atmosphere, a great setting. Um, drive up Stambo Hill to Nelson Field, Iron River Stambo. Uh, that's a consolidation of the Iron River Redskins and the Stambo Hilltoppers up on top of the hill, Charlie. And um, that happened in 1968. So I was a junior. I was a junior in high school. They joined our conference. They hammered us the first year, 39 nothing, and they beat us the second year. At Nelson Field, seven to six. We had an extra point attempt go awry in the final uh, in the fourth quarter. So Heartbreaking. 0-2 against the the Wycons, the wonderful Wycons. A lot of school spirit up there. Signs every I don't know ten yards going up this long hill up Stambo Hill. So all the Frankfurt fans saw all these Wycon signs. Small town America, Charles, beloved UP UP Power, and now they play uh, Saginaw Nouvelle. Friday night at the Superior Dome in Marquette. Wish I could go. I've been to the Superior Dome. Have you? Yeah, DePier used to play there. Remember that? When I was like a freshman? Really? Yeah. Oh. Nobody loves small town high school sports more than you. That's a fact. I would <laughs> I would I would put that against anyone in the country right there. The number so one that- small town high school fan. Sat there in 26 degree weather, Charles, and the game was long. It's almost, to almost like almost three hours. Sounds more exciting yeah. than a typical NFL Sunday, though. I'll give them that. So, Charlie, on Saturday, you also were at a game when I was up in uh, Stambo. You were in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, how'd that, that was, go? That, it was depressing. <laughs> uh, the bar scene was fun. It was it was fun to relive some of my old college days, but. Uh, yeah, the Hawks were flying high, coming off a 55 or dropped 55 points on the Buckeyes, and I think at one point in the third or fourth quarter they were being outgained. It was around 350 yards to about four. The Hawks had four yards until garbage time. It was, and they were actually still in it because they had two pick sixes. Badger fans can't be excited about Hornybrook, and if they are somehow able to make the playoffs if they're able to win the Big Ten championship. But, yeah, it was, I got to give it to them. It was completely, it was a bloodbath. Uh, Not fun to be in the crowd, that was for sure. But, nonetheless, good time. Was it loud for for their visiting team? It was. The students were trickling a little late, but I remember that back in my Iowa days. The students are always late to arrive, a little too much gallivanting around town. Um, but no, it was, it's a, it's a Camp Randall's a pretty cool stadium. I have to admit. So the Wolverines go in there Saturday at 11 a.m. Yeah. I think, I, what was the spread? Well, it started at 10, I think, and now it's at seven for Wisconsin. That's a little light, isn't it? Yeah. People, Michigan gets a lot of respect from the public and I don't think Wisconsin's getting much respect from the public. I don't, I mean, I've seen almost oh, all, all, but one Michigan game on tape, I don't see why Michigan should not be getting much respect right now. They just don't have it. Yeah, Wisconsin, they get the lead, and it's lights out. And it's been like that for a couple of years. But, they, I mean, the national narrative is they haven't played anyone, and it's true. They haven't. Iowa's their first ranked win. But 
I just went through this, what was that, two or three years ago when Iowa got all the way up to number four and it was the exact same narrative. They had the pretty much identical schedule. Didn't play anyone, no ranked wins, and then they lost uh, last second drive to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship. But hmm. Big Ten football, we this could be a year where they're not represented. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good weekends all around, I would say. Yep. Good stuff. I actually was battling a cold, but I'm back. I'm back and better and ready to get this podcast on the road. So let's talk a little bit uh some of the big Packer news, obviously, national news, really, was the Marty Bennett situation. So why don't you kick us off with uh, kind of your thoughts on that, how it went down, and where it stands today. So the Packers on Wednesday, last Wednesday, released him with the designation failure to disclose physical condition. I, and that's basically saying that Bennett was lying about his medical situation and um they're going to go after some of that signing bonus, which was uh, 6.3. They're probably going to um, seek arbitration, um, mediation, for about two-thirds of that, I'd say, because it was a three-year deal. I had a lot of people ask me, like, how common is that, that type um, of designation? Yeah, you, 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 not really. I mean, I would say Packers haven't used it in a while, but there are teams um, – hmm, you look at that NFL waiver wire, which I do every day, and uh, uh, I don't know, once or twice a week maybe. Uh, more of it happens in August, I think, uh, things like that. You know, 90-man rosters, more people coming and going. But, I mean, it happens. Uh, you know, medical's a big thing, and, and payment for, I mean, obviously, well, you know, paying for surgeries and second opinions, all that's in the CBA, all that they need to pay for. But And then... There's, there's just a lot of money spent in medical that a lot of things we that go on behind closed doors. So then, so Bennett then, um, oh, let's not review too much, but um, so then he, he went off on a, on an F-bomb tirade on Instagram, I guess it was, right? Yep, that's a social, social media platform, <laughs> pretty popular these days. All right. And um, you don't you don't have an Instagram, do you? Nope. Nope. No Instagram. So, I really don't know what it is, but uh, I know it's some kind of social, uh, anti-social media it's, it's, endeavor. It's like Twitter with pictures. <laughs> Think of it like that. Oh, uh, okay. So, I guess it's hard to really understand what Bennett was saying. And I've never talked to Martellus Bennett, so I want that to be known right off the bat. So I'm at a real disadvantage trying to look at this situation. Um, you know, he's using F-bombs. They tried to F-bomb me over. Uh, Dr. Patrick McKenzie was trying to cover his own ass. Um, he's basically saying McKenzie um, <clears throat> was pushing me to play, which I thought was weird. Uh Okay, let me just say a couple things about Bennett. So those, at the practices I was at this summer, well, first of all, when they signed him in March, um, well, during his whole career and even back to the draft, I mean, I had heard a lot of things about his character and off-the-field things. So I had, you know, a dossier of a lot of information from over all these years. And then, um, then when they signed him, I talked to more people about it, so... I mean, right from the get-go, I was pointing out that there was a lot of red flags on this guy. Um, 
And then what I saw, I mean, right away, he was, he was lazy during practice. Now, I know he's a 10-year veteran, but I've seen a lot of 10-year veterans, and they're not acting like this. Um, you know, really slow after he'd run a route, really slow getting back to the huddle during training camp. Uh, the last one back, you know, kind of just acting as if he was, you know, in this extreme, uh, extreme heat or something. It wasn't even a hot summer. But I guess what really topped it is one day, um, I think special teams were going on in the main field, and off to the left, right in front of the bleachers at Nitschke Field, Brian Anglicchio, the tight end coach, was, uh, I think he had, of his six players, I think several were involved in special teams, so it was just maybe Bennett and Kendricks and maybe Richard Rogers. I'm not sure. And he, rather than just stand there, he would be working on uh, technique, and he had each tight end get down in a stance, come off, and we was working on landmarks and aiming points on a certain running play against a certain look. And and then he would also work, uh, he'd be throwing passes to his players from point-blank range. And, um, you know, during, this, during the run-blocking drill, Bennett would have his helmet on, and then his rep would be over. Maybe the other two guys would, would be involved. And then he would take his helmet off or take a knee. I saw him, like, you know, looking in, out in the space, up into the sky, just, you know, like he was bored out of his mind and he was just, you know, he was too big for this. In some ways you could say he would be showing up the coach. Um, I mean, it was rude. It was inconsiderate. You could go stronger than that. This is things, Charlie, you don't really see at Green Bay. Now, I haven't been to many other practices or teams, but I've seen this, this team for four decades. There are not many instances that I can recall in which – a player did this. These practices have always been well run, at least since Mike Holmgren here for 25 years. Um, you don't see it, and it, it just stuck out. And, and when I left the practice that day, I took some notes when I got back to my car, and I wrote this stuff down, and I still have them, that this is a red flag. And, and you start showing up an assistant coach, this is going to show up. And, and it did, and with his play. I mean, he, he wasn't focused. He's got good hands, and he had six drops in, what, seven games. Uh, he showed very little emotion or urgency in his play. You know, some of his blocking was good. Some wasn't so great. You could see that in exhibition tapes. I couldn't believe it uh, once or twice. I mean, he let just backup people just come right by him, cross his face on the backside, go in, smear the ball carrier. He showed no remorse in his body language after the play. None at all. Um, all right, so, so the McKenzie thing. Let's discuss that. McKenzie took over for uh, Dr. Novotny. Uh, Wolf uh, let him go in like 92, right when he got started, and he hired McKenzie, who's a, a Green Bay orthopedic surgeon. Everybody who's dealt with McKenzie knows that he is a conservative doctor. Um, he has driven some people nuts in that organization because he is so conservative. I mean, before the draft or during or in the Packers players themselves, you know, he. he he has fought, now I don't know this firsthand, but I've certainly heard it from enough people. He has fought, um, in some cases, against the organization to keep players off the field for their own well-being. Now, Bennett is claiming that McKenzie pushed him to play. And I don't believe it. I mean, I just have known McKenzie for 25 years, and I really don't believe it. Um Again, I've never talked to Bennett. I wish I had. 
I've heard a lot, but I've never talked to him. So now, so then he gets waived, and, you know, he probably, what he wants is a Super Bowl, and I give him credit for that. He was a big part of that Patriot title last year, or a part of it. And when, when Rodgers went down, he probably, you know, their chances went down, decreased, and he's getting up there. And, but he gets claimed by the Patriots. And he says that, you know, he really wasn't going to play, but then Belichick called him personally. And uh, when they called, he finally decided to do it. Um, he talked to six or seven doctors, he said this week, and it, it could have gone either way. It was like one of those things that I felt I should get fixed. This is a rotator cuff in the shoulder. And then after trying to get it fixed and getting waived, you just get that vengeance in your heart. Vengeance. It's just like, all right, that's how you're going to do it. Then blanket. Let's go ball. Um, yeah. He also knows that uh, some Packer teammates, Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson among them, uh, defended McKenzie. Quote, I got criticism from all of my former organizations. I mean blank. At this point, it's like I'm rubber and you're glue. Anything you say bounces off me and sticks back to you. Like I told the guys, in order for the phoenix to be reborn, he must first turn to ashes. So that's where we're at. He played seven plays Sunday night against whoever it was, and he caught three balls. And he's, you know, whatever. I don't even know about this shoulder surgery, but he's playing with it. And the t- Patriots have four tight ends, and that's where it's at. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a, it's it's a mess. Uh, it's a pretty wild situation. I the whole McKenzie thing. I saw that uh, McKenzie actually gave me knee scope back in high school in like two thousand what four or five. Um, yeah. so, so that was the only interaction I ever had with him. But what it his Instagram it reminded me of one of those situations where he was trying to. Obviously, he was putting himself out there, talking a big game, and it was kind of like uh, he didn't understand who McKenzie was and his history. Like, he was throwing this out there, and then it, all of a sudden it was like, uh-oh, Ugh, I, I didn't realize this was McKenzie's history. Like, it almost backfired in a way where he probably didn't expect players to come rolling in defending McKenzie. Um, I, it just seemed like one of those situations. You put it out there, you don't really understand and it completely backfires. But the playing for the Patriots and the whole vengeance thing, that was crazy to me because, I mean, it was season-ending injury or season-ending surgery, right, that he was going to have. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So you, how many injuries go from season-ending to I'm playing the next week? Like, it's either season-ending type. How, how can you play on a season-ending injury? You know, okay, let's say he's got a rotator cuff. I mean, I got one right now, and I'm not comparing the two, but, you know, I mean, I'm living without surgery. Um, and, it, you know, he just, in a way, you could argue, and I'm not, I'm not sure, but you could argue he just he quit on the Packers and he just wanted to collect that paycheck and then go into next year and, you know, just have the surgery. And if they cut him, I mean, he had a big roster bonus due, I think, second or third day of the league year in March. If they cut him, then he'd go play somewhere else with a a, a repaired shoulder. That's one way to look at it. I'm sure the Packers I, look at it like that. I find it extremely difficult, extremely difficult to understand how he could block and play in an NFL game with a torn rotator cuff. 
there's different grades of tear, Charles, with these rotator. I've seen a couple doctors now, and so, you know, shoulders is, is a delicate situation. It's hard to determine where the damage is, although he's had MRIs now, a bunch of them. Yeah, it doesn't really add up. So No. So now let me move to, you know, to the Jared Cook thing. So Jared Cook's a better fit than Bennett. He can run. I mean, that was my first impression of Bennett on practice hill. He can't run. I mean, he used to, when he came out, he was running the low four sevens at like 265. Maybe he's 270 now. He's probably a four nine. He, looks he can't slow. run. <clears throat> he looks slow. I mean, he, he can do things in the flats and on little, you know, leaving the pass pro or something if he's in there and then sneaking out. That's what he did the other night for the Patriots. But he can't run, and Jared Cook can run. I mean, he ran four five one coming out. Maybe he's four six now. But you see him on the Raiders. The guy's balling, man. He can he can get down the field and hurt you. And that's who they wanted. And they just should have forgotten about their, you know, Ball, Russ Ball and, and Thompson. They drew a line in the sand. They had a market value. But the point is, nobody knows what the market value is on March nine or ten or eleven. It's a Wild West show. You don't know. You don't know where what the market is for these things. You got to hang loose. You can't just set something up. And, and they don't know. Russ Ball is just operating really from the seat of his pants on this one. You don't know if that player is going to average a deal averaging four or seven. You just don't. And I know you try to do the best you can with your budgets and all this, but you've just got to adjust. And when when Jared Cook balked at what they were offering, well, then he, he went to Oakland eventually, and the Packers moved on to Bennett, a guy who really didn't fit. Now, do they want a run blocker? They said they did. Do they want to play conventional with a conventional wide tight end? They said they did, but they really didn't. Cook's the guy they wanted. Now, um, so I took so I wrote a column about a week later, breaking down Bennett, pointing out the good and the bad, discussing Cook, discussing the signing of Lance Kendricks. Um, at no point did I say this guy was going to be a savior or it was a great move or anything like that. Now, I know others in the media did, and there were, when I was doing a lot of interviews at the end of August, there was several times I heard questions, something in fact, does this give the Packers their best uh, tight end core in their history? And I never bought into any of that. So when I write now about Cook as it was a mistake, obviously, for signing Bennett over Cook. Then I immediately hear stuff from emailers saying, "Well, that's 2020. Hindsight's 2020. Um, you're just second guessing." And <laughs> it's quite upsetting. Um, the resources, the resources that what I have compared to what the Packers have to get these decisions right. Come on, Ted Thompson can go down the hall to two or three or four of his pro scouts, and he can assign them, if it's January or February or whatever, in December if they're looking ahead, call, call the coaches on all his four previous teams, Martellus Bennett, call his high school coach, call players, call everybody. Look at every play he ever played in the NFL. What does he have left? Find out. I want to know about his character. Look at all this stuff. Now I want to have the analytics people analyze uh, what's it like for a 30-year-old tight end going into his 10th year, what are his chances for success. They, they are paid. They have millions of dollars. 
unbelievable resources and personnel at their disposal to get these things right. And I'm going to be criticized for saying it's a bad move. I think not. That is, um, it's absurd, and I'm going to continue to do it because I'm a, a guy covering a team by myself, and, and they are a billion, multi-million dollar corporation with, that has unbelievable facilities, staff to make these decisions right, and it's their job to get it right, just like it's my job to get my writing right and my facts right. So if you're going to keep reading us or listening to us, that's the way it's going to go. All right, I guess that's about enough on that, Charles. <laughs> so before we get into uh, what's coming up this weekend against the Ravens, there was a move today, right, with the long snappers? Yep, they did that yesterday. They, yesterday. they cut Derek Hart. Derek Hart, who had two games of long snapping after replacing the injured uh, Tabor Pepper. And they brought back Brett Good, who had had an injury settlement after his, what, a hamstring injury earlier in the year. And Good's back, and um, so that should be a huge bonus for uh, Mason Crosby and Justin Vogel, the holder. Uh, been really tough on Crosby. You know, Vogel's not a very good holder to begin with, and, and he's it, the poor snaps from those guys have made it harder on Vogel. So now they got Mr. Automatic back, and it helps the special teams immensely. So Joe Flacco and the boys are coming to town. A pretty weak team from what I've seen so far. Packer fans are they're they're back. Uh, there was reports that Rodgers was moving around at practice today. So now all of the situations are flying. I've already got text from people. All right, if they win this game, this game, and this game, Rodgers comes back in Week 16. We got a chance at this. So one win against the lowly Bears. Uh, and hopes are back for some. So, Ravens coming to town. They are slated as a two-point favorite at Lambeau mm-hmm. for the latest line that I've seen, with an over/under of 38, which means uh, Vegas is accepting some uh, expecting some exciting football. <laughs> so let's break them down. All right, let's look at that Baltimore offense. Um, Joe Flacco is not having a good year. I mean, he hasn't played well in the last couple of years, really. A terrible year. Yeah, uh, yeah. He does not have very good weapons. I mean, they're better than the Bears, but not much. Um, he has Jeremy Macklin, and there's questions whether his leg, uh, his legs are still decent. He looks like more like a slot, really, at this point. Mike Wallace can fly, but he's just not a, a fully dimensional player. Brashad Perryman can really fly. And he's 6'2", he looks the part, but I don't know. He's got six, seven catches this year, and he's just not doing it. The tight end is uh, Ben Ben Watson is 37 years, 36 years old. Yeah, he's his favorite target. He gets open short. He Third. scored 40, 41 on the Wonderlic, uh, Charlie. He's, 41 out of 50. That's an amazing score. He's second on the team in receptions behind a running back, Javorius Buck Allen. Flacco, I saw this Tennessee game, and really he looks for Watson first all the time. Watson can't get anything after the catch anymore. He used to be able to run, but, you know, he catches the ball, and then he just gets tackled. Um, all right, so that other tight end, Nick Boyle's a good uh, blocker. Max Williams from Minnesota, second-round picks, but a kind of a bust. The running backs. Um, 
Danny Woodhead might be activated from injured reserve at the end of the week. He started practicing last week, I think it was, or two weeks ago. So maybe he's ready to go, and if he does, they need him. He looked great on the first drive of the first game, and then he pulled a hammy. He's been out since. I, I forgot they even had him until you just said they that. signed him, yeah. Because they've been running. I thought, it was, I thought it was a player the Packers should have you know, looked into signing. I mean, I like the guy, don't you? Yeah, he's. I mean, obviously he's had some pretty tremendous years. What What was his injury? What What is he coming off of? Hammy. Hammy. Yeah, because they've just been running with the trio of running backs, which it sounds like you're getting into here. So you know from uh, from your Maven stuff, you know these backs. Um, Alex Collins from Arkansas has been their bell cow of late. Uh, Seattle drafted him in the fifth last year. He got cut. Practice squads picked up off the. Uh, they promoted him. The Ravens did, and he's been their number one guy. Terrence West has been hurt with a calf injury for four games. He's supposed to be healthy now off the bye. He could get snaps. And then Buck Allen, uh, the kid from USC, he's got uh, those catches, you said, 39 catches. And he, he's been the third down back. Um, can they run the ball? Uh, well, it depends on the offensive line. They got you know, two starting guards, both on IR. Um, that was Marshall Yonda, the six-time Pro Bowler at right guard, which was a massive blow. And the other one was Alex Lewis from Nebraska. He was going to start at left guard. So they're replacements. James Hurst, number 74, is at left guard. Uh, he started a few games at both tackles, mostly left tackle. He's from North Carolina. Not very good. The top heavy, lunges. Uh, he's massive, not very good. And the right guard is Matt Skura, a free agent from Duke. Played on the same line in 2015 as the Packers' Lucas Patrick. They were the two guards. Skura has started now for uh, Yonda. This will be his, like, eighth start. He's their weak link, according to scouts. Um, Mike Daniels can get in situations with these two guys. If he gets one-on-ones with either one of them, mainly Skura, that could really compromise Flacco and their offense. The center, Ryan Jensen, comes from Colorado State Pueblo. Boy, is he a player. Sixth-round pick. Watch this guy, man. He is, he's an enforcer. He's tough and mean. He shoves. Very impressive-looking young player. Left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, was a high, high pick from Notre Dame. A um, lot more athletic than he is strong. Uh, Perry could do some damage with bull rushes against him. And Austin Howard, kind of a reject from, uh, oh, he's better than that. He started for the Jets and the Raiders last four or five years. Um, he's at right tackle, a finesse guy, but he's six, seven and a half. I think Clay Matthews could do, get some work against him if he can turn the corner against that guy one-on-one. So that's their offense. Um, they- they're struggling there. Last in passing, Charlie. I was just going to say, they stink on offense. They're 30th in the NFL in yard, total yards, and they are dead last in passing, averaging 165.7. Packer fans aren't going to believe this, but Green Bay is actually tied with the Browns uh, in 26th in overall offense. Yikes. Hmm. <laughs> Not, now that 38-point over-under makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so, Marty... No, what? What were you going to say? They've been 
all year there hasn't been one player that you'd want to touch in fantasy besides right now I've I've been riding Alex Collins. I've been telling people to pick him up, but that's it. And even he's a borderline flex. So they have a very very lackluster offense. Okay. Marty Morningweg, the old Packer QB coach and Lion head coach. He's the coordinator, calls the plays for John Harbaugh. Okay. Um, defensively, Dean Pease is a very good defensive coordinator. He's 68 years old, a little bit, uh, got a year or two on Dom Capers. He's been with Belichick for uh, like five years, and uh, he really knows his stuff. He's going to, uh, he does a lot of disguising with Eric Weddle, the uh, the ex-Charger safety. He got him in March for big money. Weddle's back and forth. Uh, he knows how to do it, and he still has range, and he's going to make it tough on Brett Hundley. He's a, just keep your eyes on 32. He's, he's going to be a very interesting player. Um, okay, let's look at their front. Uh, they're massive. They truly are. Michael Pierce, a second-year free agent from Samford down in Florida, Pierce is like 350, sawed off, 6004. <laughs> He's pretty good at the nose. Brandon Williams is probably their best guy. He's about 340, 345. He's 6'1. And your Hawkeye, Charles, Carl Davis, is the mm-hmm. five technique. He's about 320. Could have used what him are your last, thoughts on? Could have used him last weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> So that's their front. They try to plug the run. Now they're not playing. They're playing poor run defense. They're yeah. giving up 126 a game. That's what's interesting. They're 28th in the NFL in rushing defense, but uh, sixth in passing. It's un unraven like, and Green Bay's got to exploit this. Can they? And, yeah, they can. I mean. Um, Although the Ravens have been better with run defense of late. They did a nice job against that good Titan run game. But some people, I mean, the Bears had like 230 against them, I think it was. All right, the backups. Two guys from Michigan. Uh, The rookie, Chris Wormley, is a defensive end. He's tall, just like the starting five technique that's on IR, uh, Brent Urban. And then um, uh, Willie Henry's kind of an active uh, a little bit undersized DT, not a bad player. Okay, now at linebacker, Terrell Suggs, 35 years old, I think he is. Yeah, no. Boy, uh, I saw the Tennessee game, Charles, and you know Taylor Lawan, the left tackle from Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Lawan is over the top for one thing. Um, all those people who, the scouts who uh, talked about his personality, um, man. I mean, he got another un- uh, unnecessary roughness penalty in this game. He's had a bunch of them. Well, in this game, he goes up against Suggs. Man, he met his match. I mean, Lawan was in the Pro Bowl last year, but Suggs still has it. Packer tackles, of both of them got to be, really be wary. Suggs has got, he's great with his hands. Um, he beat Lawan inside for a sack, and then he beat him around the corner for a knockdown. It was really impressive, really eye-opening. I'm sure the Packer, in that Packer film room, they are really talking Terrell Suggs. On the other side, you got Matthew Judon, number 99, from Grand Valley State, Division II school. Hmm. Judon is active, and he can run. He's got good size. He's got speed. Uh, he's an up-and-coming player. 
um, they're also going to play three other guys on pass rush downs, you know. They get the big guys out of there on passing downs, and, and then they move in, uh, like the Packers, they move in their small guys. Um, Tyus Bowser is a second-round pick from Houston. Hasn't played much. He was a raw player at Houston, but he's got a lot of speed, and I think he's going to start playing. you got Tim Williams from Alabama, a third-round pick this year, a rookie. Hasn't played much. Um, you know, widely described as a knucklehead by scouts, a lot of off-field problems, but the guy has a knack for rushing the passer, both with speed and uh, mostly speed. He hasn't done much, but I think he's going to start playing soon. And Zadarius Smith, a guy from Kentucky, fourth-year guy, he can play inside. He's got some rush ability. All right, that's the rush. Now, inside, you got C.J. Mosley, uh, fourth-year guy, was in that uh, Clinton Dix draft. Mosley leads the team in tackles, plays every snap. He's a really, really good inside backer. And the guy next to him, Patrick Uwaso, man, uh, a safety at Portland State, undrafted in 2016, convert him to inside backer. This is the way the game is, Charlie. He's about six foot, maybe 220 on a good day. This is what teams are playing with because he can run and cover. Uh, he's going to get drilled in the run game. And, um, but, you know, maybe you can protect him with those big slugs in front of him. That's why, that's why he's on the field. Um, that's their defense, their front seventh. Okay, in the secondary, do you believe this? Brandon Carr, the former Cowboy, he also played at Grand Valley State, the Division school, Division II school outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So the Cowboys gave up on Carr. And as a youngster, you were a Cowboy fan. Do you still follow him, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I would say no. Actually, I think I'm mm-hmm. a little, I'm a little too emotionally invested in the Hawks these days, and they provide me with enough highs and lows for a year. Yep. So you don't really have a soft spot for the for the boys anymore, huh? Not that much anymore. No, I think mm-hmm. that ended around probably when I got out of high school. Boy, they were your team, yeah. Yeah, wow. I was I was a front runner as a youngster. <laughs> so Carr, um, Cowboys dumped him. Um, you know, he's not bad. He plays on instincts and savvy. He's pretty good. He's the left corner. The right corner is Jimmy Smith, who's six two and a half. Great, you know, really good speed. He's just you know erratic on the field. Has some problems off. Uh, had problems off the field. You know, he didn't practice today because of an Achilles. Now, I don't know anything about that, but that's something to watch. Their third corner is from Alabama, the top pick this year, Marlon Humphrey. Can run, good size. You know, the one question was he doesn't play the ball well downfield. have no idea really how he's played this year. But um, And then Maurice Kennedy uh, is the fourth corner. He's okay. Lardarius Webb, a former starting corner, now kind of a backup safety. He's been the nickelback but he got replaced by Humphrey. Um, okay, it's safety. Eric Weddle, they switched the safeties this year. They signed Eric Weddle from the Chargers, Tony Jefferson from Arizona. Weddle, um, he's a dangerous guy. He shows up in places that you don't expect him to show up. He's good. And Tony Jefferson, you know, he got a lot of money. I think 19 guaranteed. Um, boy, undrafted guy from Oklahoma. I guess he played well in Arizona. I really don't know that much about this guy, but he got huge money. 
Uh, interesting player. The third safety, really, or fourth, is Anthony Levine. And he's a guy who was signed by the Packers in 2010, spent time on their practice squad that year, again came to camp, more time on the Packers practice squad in 2011, eventually got cut, went to uh, Baltimore. He's been there ever since. He's been their special teams leader for like six years. So credit to Anthony Levine, one of these guys who just wouldn't say no and kept going and going, and he's still playing ball, you know. It's awesome sometimes. So that's their D. Can you see where that over-under is at, what would you say, 36? 38. Uh, yeah. I think I might have to hammer that. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Um, it, I would say, in summary, it doesn't sound like the best matchup for the Packers. I mean, how are they going to move the ball? We, so they're... It's, from the numbers, you would argue that the Packers have to move the ball on the ground, which I think most people kind of want anyways. But still, if, mm-hmm. if they're completely stymied by through the air, uh, that box is going to be loaded. We'll see. I, yeah. It, it, it could be seven, eight guys in that box all game. Jordan Howard killed them, though. Yeah, know? Jordan Howard's uh, a lot better than Jamal Williams, I think. He doesn't run any harder than Jamal. And that was the game that Cohen went off. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. He had like a 70-yard run in overtime. Mm, okay. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, but can can Baltimore move the ball? How are they <laughs> going to move the ball? It's shock, It's shocking they have four wins, to be honest. they Their offense is brutal. Um, how will they move the ball? I don't know. You're going to see a lot of checkdowns. Buck Allen will be involved. If Woodhead plays, that would be big. The receivers are non-existent. I mean, Buck Buck Allen and Watson are second and third in targets and third and fourth in receptions. Or, I'm sorry, third and fourth in yardage. So, yeah. I, and when you're averaging 167 or whatever it was through the air, not very promising. They need Woodhead, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. They do. That would be... That'd be big. So, yeah, Cohen had 32 yards. That's right, his overtime run. Was that the game? Yeah, his overtime run was cut short because he stepped out of bounds. Mm. They had nine receptions in that game, the Bears, for 134 yards. Mm. So, 231 231 on the ground. Special teams. um, A a 10-category breakdown of special teams. Last week, Baltimore was ranked third. They're really, really, really good. Jerry Rosberg's uh, been around forever coordinating. Uh, he's got a great rep. Man, Justin Tucker, he's as good as, as there is in this league as a kicker. I mean, he's done it in bad weather, long range. He's unreal. Clutch. Sam Cook, their veteran punter. Man, against Tennessee, Charlie, the guy's 35 years old. Okay, over on, they're in punt formation, about the Tennessee 40. First half, I think it was, yeah. Um, the, his gunner over on the left is uh, getting uh, pressed by the Tennessee hold-up guy. Snap comes right back perfect to Cook. Just, I mean, it was such a beautiful play. He just takes this thing, you know, as if he's going to drop the ball to punt, straightens up, just beautiful motion. Looked like a quarterback. And he guns this back shoulder throw out here to the to his gunner, 
And the guy off him was only like three yards off, four yards off, makes the catch, goes downfield, gain of 16, first down Ravens. I mean, it was amazing. Just, <laughs> he looked like, <laughs> he looked like a stud QB throwing the ball. Perfect spiral, zipped it. All right, Cook can go directional. He can go deep. He can go high. He's really a good punter. Morgan Cox, the, the uh, snapper, has been there for a long time. He's fine. Uh, they cut their return guy, Bobby Rainey, this week because that's why Michael, Michael Campanaro, a sh- slot receiver, he's going to be back returning. He's good. Levine, um, Levine is their best special teams guy. Rossberg will have him gunned up. Uh, they have a really good field goal block team as well. So uh, special teams definitely tilts towards the Ravens here. Could be the difference. I was going to say, very well, this is the type of game that it could very well come down to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so noon Sunday at Lambeau. What's the weather look like? I don't know. I haven't looked. It's pretty nice. and I mean, besides the rain, it was about 45 in Milwaukee today. Hmm. Wow, yeah. So that takes care of the matchup. Uh, anything else you want to discuss here, Charles? I heard uh, ticket prices are plummeting. See what the crowd looks like. I mean, I'm sure it'll be sold out, but I know I, I read thirty to forty percent decreases in ticket prices. Really? Yeah. Maybe Aaron Rodgers moving around at practice will boost that back up a couple yeah. percent. <laughs> I just don't get that. This team is five and four. Right, and um, they're certainly in everything. They got seven games left. I mean, they could be a ten and six team, something like that, you know. And we'll just see how many no shows there are, and just what the interest level is in this team. I, you know, supposedly the greatest fans in the world, right? We hear that all the time. Yeah, it's and, it's the first low that they've had in quite some time. This is when this team really needs their fans, really needs them. And we'll see if they respond. I mean, you talk to a lot of people in Milwaukee. Just, I mean, I get emails. It's like a destination, um, a bucket list place, Lambeau Field right now. A lot of fat cats flying in. Um, I mean, you know, live pretty close to the airport. I hear all these, you know, private jets coming in. Sunday morning or Sunday, you know, several hours before the game, bringing in the high rollers and fat cats, you know, coming in there and getting their jollies off, sitting in Lambeau. There's a lot of that. It's a lot different atmosphere than it was in the in the early to mid '90s when this when the team was coming of age after a generation of losing. Yeah, I don't know. What do you what do you what do you sense on this? I always take my private jet from Milwaukee to Lambeau to <laughs> <laughs> after a sale. <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, I agree. Whenever I travel for work, I'm in Nashville a lot. Um, whenever we travel for golf, people find out we're from Green Bay, and it's same same story every single time. Oh man, I'd love to get there. It's on my bucket list. And then you tell them, you know, I lived a couple blocks away from the stadium, and they just can't believe it. So it's, yeah, I would say it's the same. If it's an NFL fan, it's usually what I hear. But the interest level locally right now, I would say it's pretty low. Hmm. Bucks, really? Bucks fever is yeah. at an all-time high. They, they might it be is? Wisconsin's new team. Wow. <laughs> Not yet, but no, the, the Bucks fever is hot over here. Bucks and oh, that's six, a, yeah. That's really neat, yeah. yeah. Huh. So, I don't know. 
they're in it, and uh, they need it, so we'll see. Yeah, so we will be doing, um, I know we've been talking about it a lot, doing a chat. Um, unfortunately, chat softwares are a little tough to come by, so what we are going to be doing is posting uh, basically a chat post. Tomorrow? Are we doing that tomorrow? Yes. Well, I guess no today. We're recording this Wednesday. It's posting Thursday. Yes. So, yeah, on Thursday we are going to post uh, basically a chat post. So you can post your comments in the comment section, and then my dad is going to take all those questions. Hopefully we get a number of them and answer however many you want. That's, that's your call. Uh, and then we will post, he, we will copy and paste the question and post it in chat form later that night around 7, 8 o'clock central time. So hopefully it goes well. Um, it's kind of a workaround. It's, it's still the same environment of a chat, just it won't be instantaneous like you're getting. But honestly, it's kind of the same thing. You just send your questions and, and we'll get them answered, uh, whatever ones you pick later that night. Mm-hmm. Anything to add so- on that? No, so after I finish all the responses to these questions, then all the, it'll all go online at, together at the same time, right? Correct, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll get them posted. Uh, it'll look just like a regular story, only it'll be question, mm-hmm. answer, question, answer, and we'll put the question yeah. in like italics or something. So it's a question and answer with our subscribers, right? Correct, yeah. Right. So any uh, any comments, and it can be anything. It can be... High school football in the UP. Uh, it can be Marty Bennett. It can be the Packers season. It can be anything and everything. If you want to talk high school or sports, Bob McGinn, or Bob McGinn football, right? And it, how we do things, why we do things. Yeah, it can be try behind the scenes question. It's an AMA. Ask me anything. I think that's what they call it on Reddit. <laughs> so it's an AMA featuring Bob McGinn. If you want okay. to throw a question at me, hey. Maybe I'll answer it. And I'm not going to answer everything, so don't anybody get their hopes up, you know. But yeah. I'll answer a good uh, a good number of them, just that's like, for sure. Just like any chat, you can't answer them all. So. Right. But okay, yeah, that'll be fun. If it goes well, well, we'll start doing these a little bit more frequently. They shouldn't be too difficult for us to do. Mm-hmm. So anything else related to the website or the Ravens or anything in general before we sign off here? No, I would just, uh, I'll mention this, you know, um, every Tuesday, I think at like uh, 3.50, I'm on uh, Milwaukee radio station WSSP with um, Sparky Pfeiffer and Gary Ellerson and uh, Leroy Butler, and that's about a 10-minute shot, so our, our subscribers could could hear that, and then every Wednesday I'm on with Mike Heller on that uh, Big Ten seventy um, in um, Madison, Milwaukee. I think it goes to Appleton and maybe Wausau as well, and that's at um, about four thirty-five every Wednesday for about ten minutes. So those are you know weekly staples we have, and I know Rob Reichel, our our illustrious uh, partner in crime. He, he does a lot of radio around the state, and so you, you're probably hearing Rob as well. So uh, we certainly like doing that, and it's been uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got a big night of action ahead of me. I think Central Michigan is on. We've got Toledo on later, so I'll catch a couple of those games. <laughs> you are you, nuts. 
No, you need. You think UP high school football is entertaining? You got to get some action on these. <laughs> these games are. <laughs> it's it's incredible stuff. Really? You never know what you're going to see in action. There was a fourth and goal from like the 49 last week. Fourth and goal from the 49. It's it's endless. The plays for being actual like. I mean, obviously, very good college football athletes. The play is almost so bad at times that it makes it incredibly fun to watch. So yes. they're, they're playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays because just to get on TV, right? Yes, yeah, a genius, really. A couple of years ago, they, <laughs> they struck a deal with ESPN, and it's called Maction, and they just they throw on two to three games. It's only on the back half of the year, so I think it started – two or three weeks ago, and, yeah, it's just Twitter blows up. It's called Maction. So action, and they put the M in front of it, a play on words. Maction, okay. Yeah, and it's always just brutal weather by the end of the year. There's always a couple. I mean, Northern Illinois is always good. Toledo's been decent. Akron's actually been pretty decent. But, yeah, yikes, there's some, there's some bad teams at the bottom. In August, I was in Lower Michigan, um, and uh, we happened to be in Mount Pleasant. So I wanted to see that field. I've never seen a game at that field. So we drove over to the stadium, and all the Chippewa players were going to a meeting at 7 o'clock that night. And um, they parked in the stadium parking lot, and they were heading over to the football building next to the stadium. And uh, they were in their dark uh, kind of maroon sweat clothes and things. And uh, so that's that club you might be watching tonight, right? Yeah, it's Good stuff. You know what I drove by before we sign off uh, yesterday? The Banta Bowl in Appleton. Wow. You took me to a game there when I was, what, eight? You were little, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. I was coming back from, I stayed at a courtyard over in Appleton. I had a meeting coming around the corner, and there it is, the Banta Bowl. Uh, they, have, they took the grass out now, though. They have field turf in there. Yeah, everyone, everyone now. Yep. Who plays there? Is it uh, Lawrence? Yeah, and then I think Appleton West, I think, plays there, too, I think. That would be a cool high school stadium. I don't think there's any field turf in the UP, though, Charles. No, we don't need that no, up there. No, 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 that's for the week. Nope. That's... <laughs> all right, well, that is all we had for you. Before we keep rambling on, thanks for tuning in, and until next time. Thank you. Come on, to play shoot 'em up shoot 'em up bang bang baby